HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day on the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cook guests. And my guest today is Yumi Komasaira, who is a recipe developer, food stylist, culinary instructor, and the president of K-Seaweed. Yumi grew up in Saitama Prefecture near Tokyo, playing and snacking in her family's seaweed factory. When we hear seaweed, many of us may think of the weeds by the beach that do not look particularly delicious or even edible. But it is like looking at weeds coming out of pavements on busy city streets. What we are talking about here, about seaweed, is the equivalent of plants from well-managed farmlands. In Japan, seaweeds are quintessential ingredients for their rich umami. And umami is the fifth taste after salty, sweet, sour, and bitter, and it enhances and mitigates those other four tastes to make food delicious. And that is why Japanese dashi broth, which is made with seaweed, is indispensable in Japanese cuisine. And seaweed is also becoming a hot topic for its huge potential to make the world more sustainable. Not to mention seaweed is vegan too. So today we'll discuss how seaweed is used to make food um, delicious and healthy in Japan and the different types of seaweed that you can choose for specific flavors and textures, quick seaweed recipes you can enjoy, it's umami, the health benefits of seaweed, and much, much more. But before you start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network as well as website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review, we really appreciate your feedback. 
Now let's start a conversation with Yumi Komasaira. Hello, Yumi. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Akiko-san. Nice to meet you again, and、um, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is exciting because it's a huge topic. <laughs> Seaweed is a very、uh, key word、um, for consumers and in the culinary world too. So,、uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, you grew up outside Tokyo, Saitama Prefecture, and playing and snacking、mm-hmm. in your family's seaweed factory. So, could you tell us about your family's business? Yeah.、Um, so, I, I was born in Tokyo and grew up in Saitama, just like Akiko-san explained. And, and、uh, middle of nowhere, actually, there is no ocean around us, but. Um, that's where my mom and dad started the,、um, the company in the 1960s. And、uh, I basically grew up in a factory where、um, my, my parents,、um, my grandmother, my,、uh, you know, my uncle and aunt all came to work for the company. So it was a small family owned company.、Um, Curating all kinds of different CVs from different parts of Japan. And that was the environment that I,、um, that I grew up with my sisters,、um, snacking,、um, eating seaweed all day growing up. Yeah.、Mm. Hey, it sounds very healthy <laughs> and it sounds like real family business. So that's perfect. Yeah. Hey.、Mm-hmm. And now you are based in New York and work as the president.、Mm-hmm. Of K Seaweed. So, what is K Seaweed and what is your mission? Yeah, so、um, I started the company,、uh, wanted to extend my family business. And um, um, where I learned my international division of the company, K Seaweed, K from my last name, Komatsudaira. And、uh, our mission is to help people live better life by. Providing the best nourishing and best quality Japanese seaweed. And,、um, you know, we all know that the typical American diet has a high as- acidic、um, content, and sea vegetable will help balance our diet with alkalinity. So, our mission is to show people how easy it is to put sea vegetable into your daily diet by sharing delicious recipes that are、um, affordable. Accessible for、um, you know, people outside of Japan. And I've been doing that since、uh, 2015. Yeah.、Mm, right. Well,、uh, the Japanese people are the longest living people in, on earth. So it may not be a coincidence.、Uh, thanks to seaweed,、mm-hmm. it may be、um, you know, part of the reasons why Japanese people live long. So let's talk about seaweed、yeah. a little more. So, How important is seaweed in Japanese food culture? Oh, I think it's very important.、Um, you know,、um, kombu was already delivered to the、um, imperial court as an offering during the Nara period. So,、um, but the first mention of dashi, like you mentioned about dashi, is a Korea soup stock made with、um, kombu, bonito flake, and so on. And,、um, The dashi stock made by Kumpu was introduced by Monk Dogen in Kamakura period. So he preached the importance of food in Buddhism, spreading vegetarian cooking in Japan, and taught a culture of dashi broth made from Kumpu. And、um, thanks to the development of the Kumpu Road, Kumpu was trans- 
transported from Hokkaido to the uh, Seto Island Sea and back on the ship that sailed westward between Osaka and Kyoto. Kombo become an important item for exchanging during the Edo period and the, uh, the culture of Kombu spread throughout Japan. So uh, for, you know, over 1000 years, we've been really um, celebrating cuisine with kombu and its health benefits. So it's really ingrained with everything that we make, I would say, with, you know, dashi stock from, you know, miso soup to simmering vegetables to flavoring food in the way that is really um, offering umami flavor, which was discovered by Professor uh, Ikeda about 100 years ago. So, I don't know, it's a huge topic. To hey, well, you can, uh, that's why you wrote a book. We talk about your book later. But yeah, but uh, yeah. for listeners who's not familiar with Japanese history, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, you mentioned Kamakura. I mean, actually, uh, uh, Nara period, that's 8th century, and the Kamakura is yeah. 13th. And uh, mm-hmm. the kom- kombu root is, uh, you know, kombu, we're going to talk about where it's mainly harvested, but it's in the uh, north, yeah. northern part of Hokkaido. And to go through, to bring it to that capital that was Kyoto, you have to use, uh, you know, you have to ship through down to the south. Yeah, so yeah. It's uh, an amazing issue. There's, uh, I heard about it when I visited uh, one of the kom- kombu merchants in Fukui Prefecture, mm-hmm. Okui Kaiseido. And um, mm-hmm. it's amazing because Pacific Ocean is too rough to travel so they discovered yeah. uh, the safer route that's on the back in the japan seaside so yeah and then mm-hmm. you know that's why the port cities in uh, uh japan seaside tend to be richer thanks to that kombu um, routes so anyway so yeah. that's a whole another thing you can have a history book but um yeah it's amazing how deeply japanese culture even kyoto cuisine without kombu you probably didn't have this kaiseki cuisine as perfected as now right. that's interesting because uh, different parts have different way of using dashi you know uh where i come from which is the kanto area mm-hmm. is um you know mixed with uh, bonito flake and kombu together so we have a different type of kombu that we use versus to you know just like you mentioned Kyoto area the Osaka have different way of using kombu with different kinds of kombu um, you know it's uh, depending on wh- where the area is we really use different way of um, incorporating uh, sea vegetable mm. into our mm. cooking Right. So let's talk about it now. So, um, you know, there are different types of seaweed and, uh, you know, kombu mm-hmm. is a big one because it's the main ingredient for dashi stock. Yeah. And, but mm-hmm. you have a wakame salad. You know, if you go to Japanese grocery store, there's a wakame in a dried packaged version and you can just yeah. put it in the water. It's instantly you have mm-hmm. a salad. And uh, yeah. the other one is a izakaya item like hishiki. That's a tiny yeah. pieces. Mm-hmm. And nori seaweed, of course, it's in sushi. Uh, yeah. sushi. But um, out of these, so let's just focus on and dashi, uh, the kombu because of the time. So, um, and also, I have to say, um, I cannot stress enough how dashi elevates the taste of your dishes so easily because, um, yeah. you know, plain 
if with the miso soup is delicious because of dashi stock. And uh, if you put mm -hmm. um, dashi in plain chicken soup, you are admired as a good cook. So this is a guaranteed trick. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would say dashi is our secret weapon, right. you know? Right. Really explain uh, what it is, but it's just really uh, amps up the flavor in the most um, amazing way. Mm-hmm. Right. Just using a little water. Right. So to um, discover um, mm -hmm. the dashi secret, so you mentioned there are different kinds of kombu and different yeah. kinds of usage. So maybe you can mm -hmm. tell us the main types of kombu and how they're used depending on the purpose and the region. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I would say um, uh, there are four main different kinds of kombu. One is the Rishiri Kombu, comes from the Rishiri Island, where it's a remote small island about 20 kilometers, which is 12, 12 miles of the northern tip of Hokkaido. Rishiri Kombu doesn't add strong color to the soup and uh, has a beautiful aroma with gentle umami and mild flavor. So perfect for elevating any vegetarian dish or making clear soup or hot pot. Um, it is an essential ingredient in Kyoto. Um, like, just like you mentioned, which is known for kaiseki cuisine, traditional multi-course Japanese meal. Uh, this particular kombu is soft used for senmaizuke pickles, uh, literally thousand sliced pickles, which is the popular Kyoto style pickled turnips. It is made of thinly sliced turnip or daikon radish, marinated in sweet pickling sauce with kombu and um, red chilies. So that's one of the kinds. Um, the next one is, I would say, Laos kombu. Comes from uh, Laos region of Hokkaido, where it's the largest town on the eastern coast of the Shiratoko Peninsula. It is called the king of kombu of its rich flavor broth. Uh, when made into soup, broth is cloudy and uh, golden yellow in color, which is amazing aroma too. So it's a uh, perfect um, for creating full body soup. So, and then also the leaves are wide as eight to 12 inches and 10 feet long. So it is soft, um, often used to make kobujime, which is an Asian Japanese technique of preserving fish, meat, or vegetable by curing in between layers of kombu, which infuses it with umami flavor. Uh, I also have a recipe on my cookbook, by the way. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> and then the, um, two more, uh, we have makombu. It's, it's uh, harvested near Hakodate in southern Hokkaido. It is thick with white leaves kombu and mostly uh, highly rated. So this is one of the best uh, kombu that people say about. Uh, it has a refined sweetness and produces clear broth. It is a, a wedgie shaped near the stem and the lower part are wide. Uh, it's typically divided into uh, shirokuchi or kurokuchi, uh, motozorori with the cut edges of the white or the yellow color. Makombu is used to make high quality broth as well as making oboro kombu or tororo kombu, which are dry shredded kombu. 
that is used as a garnish of a soup, noodles, or rice balls. And lastly, hidaka kombu, which is um, what, uh, what I grew up eating. Uh, this one is harvested from Hidaka region of southern Hokkaido. It is known as the uh, Mitsuishi kombu also. Um, Hidaka kombu is known for being widely grown and it's the most popular type of kombu in Kanto region. Um, it has a greenish black color with thinner leaves and the edges are not ruffled. So it's a good for making broth and also eating like a vegetable. Mm. Because it's uh, yeah, soft and easy to boil. Um, when it gets softer, the meaty texture softness makes hidaka kombu cook quickly and it's uh, hard enough to eat as a main meal. So this is uh, often used for uh, kombu maki, which is kombu roll with fish and vegetables and oden, which is a hot pot with uh, fish cakes and vegetables. Mm, interesting, right? So, uh, so yeah. the magumba, the the one first you mentioned, I you know, like uh, it's often used. I heard in Kyoto because of the light colored and like a uh, miso uh, in Kyoto, they tend to prefer light colored miso because they want to showcase the color of their special ingredients. That's very kaiseki yeah. style. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. And then also, uh, you know, the you mentioned that last one, hidaka. That's more like texture and uh, snackable. Yeah. So the texture and the color and also mm-hmm. the strength of umami, how subtle or strong. Those variations, I think, as if you just cook, even as a home cook, uh, you could really try to select what. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hidaka kombu is for everyday, you know, kombu choice. Mm. Definitely, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so... Um, so mainly uh, kombu comes from Hokkaido in the cold water, but um, how is kombu processed? I know it's pretty complicated. Um, so how to grow or process, you mean? Yeah, so it's been, I heard it's uh, first, it's hard to um, farm uh, for, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kombus, wild kombu grows uh, from the bottom to up. The farming is from coming from the hanging from the top. That is itself is oh, kind yeah, of yeah. against the mm-hmm. natural growth. I mean, like against gravity, and also, um, you know, it's it's yeah. yeah, it's the distance from the in the beach side, and uh, right. there's a whole thing changes the yeah. organism mm-hmm. in and uh, combo itself. So yeah. I heard it's very yeah. hard, and um, so that's one thing, and also processing. And especially for high quality kombu, um, mm-hmm. it's it's a long, you know, it's a hard to handle kind of wet in vegetable from the, the ocean. So, yeah, yeah. How, how is it processed? Harvested and processed. So the wild um, harvested kombu grow on the leaves on the the lie on the seafloor. So it's the seafloor is rocky, so kombu can be rubbed against rock by waves. So the surface of the kombu is protected by a little bit slimy to prevent from any damage or blemishes. And just like you mentioned, the farm uh, kombu uh, grows by hanging from the rope because it's hanged down. It does not rub against the seaport. So it, uh, it has less blemishes and uh, damage. And uh, neighborhood kombu is adjusted by hand so the leaves grows larger than those 
of Wyatt Kambu. And um, yeah. Right. So the kombu is harvested uh, the season from mid-July to mid-September. And it takes place only on sunny days when the kombu can be dry in a, a single day. So the harvest kombu is uploaded from the boat and dry on the dying, uh, ground vine with pebbles immediately. So for this reason, before using, uh, we recommend quickly rinse the kombu or wipe the surface with dump cloth. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then the, does it answer your question? Yeah, so right, well, yeah. I think I just wanted to stress how hard it is to create um, cordy kombu because when we see in American beach, that kind of weird fluffy thing by the beach is not what we're talking about. And um, it, kombu is like a gem in Japan. And I, I did a research before and how kombu mm -hmm. is actually harvested wild and processed. And some, some gets even ironed. There's a press machine to make it straight and more processable for Kyoto Kaiseki cuisine, you know, chefs, oh, yeah, yeah. ridiculously meticulous process. So, uh, yeah, again, you know, all the Japanese meticulous mindset, <laughs> everything goes mm -hmm. so extreme. So I just wanted to stress our listeners that kombu uh, we are talking about is very, very uh, labor intensive yeah. product. And uh, mm -hmm. you should really chew on it when you, yeah. you know, the people, how many people try to make it so perfect, so. Yeah, also, like, you have to do everything in a single day, you know, from the harvesting to the dry, and you can only do it when the weather is sunny, so I think it's it's always, you know, fight with the natural uh, weather condition makes it really um, hard to control. Right. So yeah, it's a highly labor intensive process. And every time I have kombu, I just think about how much effort these, um, you know, farmers give into this product to make it, you know, look accessible for us to consume. So I have every time um, like huge gratitude. Mm, right. Yeah. So yeah. to um, make everything extreme, means going even further. So kombu is so carefully mm -hmm. um, evaluated for this quality. So there is a well-established grading system and that yeah. is governed mm -hmm. by the Hokkaido Seafood Inspection Association. And yeah. uh, so could you tell us about the different grades of kombu and which one? Sure. Yeah, like how it's evaluated. So same type of kombu from the same region can be, um, you know, larger or smaller in uh, smaller leaves depending on the degree of growth. So the thickness of the kombu varies and uh, some have, you know, scratches on the surface while others do not. So some have a darker or shallower color. So sorting of these uh, kombu is expressed in the term of grade. Each kombu is made with um, color uh, string to indicate its grade uh, from one to five typically. For example, so blue for uh, first grade, the red bandle for second grade, the purple for third, and so on. So each batch is, uh, where the kombu grows has its own standard by the fishery association and product, uh, you know, shipped according to those standards. 
So, um, you know, ones with wider and thicker leaves are classified as first or second class. And the ones that are, uh, you know, smaller or shorter or thinner are classified as third or fourth grade. So, and then in addition, the product uh, for processing, uh, we call kakohin, and the dament standards, these are used for a variety of purposes, you know, such as for uh, uh, packing in a larger uh, bags for soup stock, for processing such as, you know, toro kombu or tsukudani and so on. So the grade is based on the thickness and, and the wide of the leaves. Uh, with the size of the kombu, typically. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the kombu with higher grade is better flavor or more umami. Um, but the thicker it is, um, it has more flavor and packed with umami. So first grade is um, tend to be uh, thicker, beautiful, no blemishes. Um, and then as the gray going to third or four, it's more accessible for everyday usage. Yeah. Mm, um, right. So, um, yeah, and then you said the location-based difference. I, I mm -hmm. heard it's called the Hamagaksa, and it's like, a, you know, vineyards in Burgundy. <laughs> Where it comes yeah, from determines exactly. first. And then the grading mm -hmm. I heard is one to five. So... Um, yeah, and if when it's packaged, it looks like I don't know, like gift item, like origami or something. Very. Oh yeah, <laughs> if you give, uh, you know, first, you know, first grade and looks like really amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a, it makes it a special gift, definitely. Right. But it doesn't mean that you know third or fourth grade are no good. It just uh, you know it's overall the looks are very important. And you know, wild versus um, you know, farm are also different elements. Mm, right. So, but um, uh, I I like all of them, you know. And I would say, depending on what you use for, you can choose different type of grading uh, kombu. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to give as a gift, you wanted to give maybe a higher grade versus if you want to use every day. You know, you just. Um, have a different price point, of course. Right. So, yeah. I mean, if, you know, I was, uh, if I was a uh, kaiseki chef in Kyoto and you need a consistency, <laughs> right? And uh, for the easy to process yeah. the same side, same thickness mm -hmm. to serve your, you know, customers. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm a home cook. I just want to have ponzu mummy, so I don't care the shape of oh, yeah. right? <laughs> So that's the difference. So, yeah, the point mm -hmm. is that... Uh, there are a lot of care paid uh, attention to this making this combo product and uh, you mm -hmm. have a choice and um, it's amazing. So, <laughs> so yeah. Yes. So this, and also it's not just how delicious everything gets thanks to the flavor of umami, but kombu and there are health benefits too. So what are the health benefits yeah. of eating seaweed? Kombu and seaweed, seaweed, depending on what kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, there is so much to talk about the nutritional value, but, um, you know, it's an amazing source of omega-3, which, you know, lower the risk of heart diseases, depression, arthritis. You know, sea vegetables are also rich in antioxidants, vitamins and minerals and iodine 
could support healthy thyroid function and improve skin, teeth, and bone health. Um, and then also wakame seaweed, we have already talked about wakame, but contain excellent amount of protein that people don't really know about. Uh, it has amino acid score about 100, which means that this is the same uh, amount protein as beef or, or eggs. So uh, it contains all nine essential amino acids. And also nori, nori we haven't really uh, touched base about nori, but you know it has a um, high score of 91 as the, um, the protein. It's, a, it's called truly the protein of the sea. So um, also wakame is um, helpful for stress care. Um, it contains a high amount of magnesium. Um, it's involved in function of 300 different enzymes. Um, so magnesium is um, diminished from stress and alcohol. So if you feel a little stressed out, um, you know, it's a good idea to incorporate maybe our wakame salad into your diet. Also, it has, uh, it contains a fucocoxantin, which lowers the bad cholesterol and uh, help control blood sugar and blood pressure. So many studies shows that people who eat sea vegetable have a reduced risk of heart diseases and cancer. Yeah, and also, you know, like you can snack on kombu products and then it's good for diet, mm -hmm. good fiber. So there's not yeah. too much harm unless you eat the crazy amount of kombu or seafood, <laughs> which is hard to yeah. do. So, yeah, because you, you yes. can, yeah, iodine mm -hmm. could uh, be overconsumed. So... As far as you just have a normal amount, you just keep um, eating seaweed yeah. salad every day, mm -hmm. and that could be a little problematic, but it's usually, it's very healthy. Yeah, overall seaweed is known to contain one of the highest amount of protein, minerals, and trans mineral. Some are much higher than the land vegetables. So, um, you know, when you have vegetables, land vegetable, it's the same concept to me you know, but maybe a little bit more healthier and more mineral-driven uh, uh, nutrients. So, yeah, so if you don't know how to incorporate your sea vegetable, just think about it's a vegetable from the sea. Right. Okay. You know? Right. So we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll dive into great combo recipes to maximize mummy. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table, 
so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit coin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs on Heritage Feeder Network, HRN. I'm your host, Taki Katayama, and my guest today is Yumi Komatsudaira, who is a recipe developer, food stylist, culinary instructor, and the president of K-Seaweed. So, um, do you have a new book called Japanese Superfoods, uh, which I found very informative <laughs> and impractical? Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, um, so maybe you can share uh, some of the recipes mm-hmm. You included in your book is that the book is all about amazing um, charm, deliciousness <laughs> of uh, kombu seaweed. So, uh, yeah. yeah, give us some of the uh, great yeah. recipes we can share. Yeah, thank you for um, including my, my book. It came out last month, and um, you know, superfood. What is superfood? Is you know, it has been used to describe food that contribute high level of health benefit. Uh, boosting immunity, reducing inflammation, and helping restore and maintain gut health. And as a native Japanese, um, you know, I not only have grown up eating seaweed, um, you know, fermented food, green tea, natto, and miso, but also developing a palate to appreciate the best quality and authentic Japanese cuisine. So because of my family business, uh, food was always the center of our lives, and uh, we celebrated eating whole foods instead of fast food. So um, this has informed my life, and I wanted to share it with others with my book in, in my book. So this book helped you to discover the secret of Japanese, uh, you know, superfood, and learn how you can incorporate them into your daily meals. Um, I combine my extensive expertise with ocean vegetable and the Japanese cooking to show you how to create simple, delicious, and super healthy Japanese style meal at home. And um, I, I try to present affordable, accessible, and the invented uh, version of my family recipe and classic comfort food in this book. Okay. Yeah, so some as uh, familiar dishes for, for, you know, many of you and some are very uh, special uh, pass on from my, you know, grandmothers or my mother. Yeah, but I try to use the local source ingredients along with my seaweed so that, you know, everybody can basically create something that you are eating in Japan, but only outside of Japan. Right. So yeah. can you share some of the recipes? Yeah. Yeah. So um, so the typical, my, my favorite is um, yudofu. Yudofu is uh, one of the traditional Japanese uh, hot pots. And this was the, the dish that um, uh, Professor Ikeda discovered umami through uh, kombu. Um, it's basically a hot pot. Um, it's hot pot in the kombu broth, and then you just drop a few pieces of uh, tofu, and then in in the middle there is a cup that you cut. Uh, you know you cook the bonito flake and the chopped scallions, and you you can eat as uh, side dishes. Or I I like to eat when I eat when I want to eat something healthy, warm. This is my go-to recipe. And uh, also I have the quick miso pickle recipe. 
I also use the Kumbu with it. Um, this one is useful, uh, you know, you might already have the ingredients in your fridge, but um, miso and yogurt uh, to recreate a traditional style Japanese um, nukazuke pickles. And um, also a few recipes using um, kombu, uh, such as kombu soy sauce. This is my favorite. Um, you basically put um, a piece of kombu into your regular soy sauce to make umami packed uh, delicious uh, soy sauce. And then also a kombu vinegar is the same concept where um, you put the piece of kombu into your uh, rice vinegar to really bring out the natural sweetness into the ordinary uh, vinegar. Mm, right. Yeah. So I, I mentioned earlier in the introduction, so the umami of kombu is tremendously powerful because it increases the saltiness and sweetness and um, kind of rounds out sourness and the bitterness mm -hmm. in food. So yeah. when I'm cooking, something is missing and I put the kombu, like tiny little kombu, mm -hmm. it just elevates yeah. everything. And uh, my cheat yeah. recipe is, uh, you know, rice cooker. <laughs> I, I just cook regular rice, uh -huh. but then put a little bit of kombu in there. And whoa, this yeah. is <laughs> something like ryote, yeah. you know, Japanese restaurants, quality rice. So, yeah, there's so yeah. many tricks you can use easily. I mean, yeah, I mean, just uh, people can order kombu from your KC Weed website, as well as, I think, you know, this Japanese grocery store. Now, I think Whole Foods and other supermarkets sell kombu too so yeah um can i share something interesting of course of course so uh 2016 i hosted my very first um workshop and uh i went to uh, ps29 uh, which is the elementary school in brooklyn and um, um i showed the kids uh, how to make dashi and um, um, these kids never seen kombu or bonito flake, but I presented it two different cups. One is the regular water, and the other one is uh, dashi made with kombu and bonito flake. And by the way, those two ingredients um, mixed together, we uh, umami intensify as much as seven or eight times. It's like a synergic uh, effect. So when I asked them, 20 students, which cups are more delicious? 20 out of 20 students said one, um, one with the dashi in it. So these kids don't know the language of umami, but they can taste regular water with miso paste versus dashi with miso paste. There are night and day difference. Mm. And yeah, they don't know what, what that means, but they all said this one tastes so much better, so much delicious, and they don't know why. Mm. So it, it really shows me, um, you know, huge uh, excitement that even though you have no language, you know the taste from, you know, which one is delicious or which one is flat. Right. So it actually makes that kind of round um, you know, mouthful uh, flavor. Mm, right. Um, well, yeah. I think, uh, you know, umami sounds like Japanese, but it's rich in tomatoes and cheese and all those universal food items. So that mm -hmm. totally makes sense. And maybe you created a couple of future chefs at uh, the workshop. 
Yeah, and also, uh, you know, newborn babies typically have their first taste of umami in breast milk, mm. which also contains a large amount of glutamate. So there is a sense of familiarity in all uh, umami flavor as it is among our early taste memories. So uh, although you never try um, dashi, um, perhaps we have experience as a baby from, you know, what the deliciousness, what the peacefulness that gives from the glutamate through, um, you know, breast milk. Mm, that's truly universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's all great, but unfortunately, seaweed is facing a serious crisis due to um, global warming. And I heard that the production of kombu in Hokkaido, which is the major uh, production hub of kombu, um, uh, mm-hmm. is really facing the crisis. So, yeah. and I heard now half of uh, the amount compared to 30 years ago is produced um, in mm-hmm. Hokkaido. So, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a company's cooler temperatures to produce yeah. and survive. So what do you think about mm-hmm. the current situation affected by the changing climate uh, in terms of company? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's sad. It's a serious problems, you know, uh, since, especially uh, since 2016, there's a drastic um, uh, decrease amount of harvesting, you know, something like uh, 70, uh, 95% less today than in the past, especially uh, where the macomba is harvested near Hakodate. And also, you know, uh, global warming contributes a great damage. Um, you know, sea urchin, mm. they love to eat kombu. And um, um, they like to eat wild harvest kombu. Mm. So not not so much for the, um, the farm because it's hanging in the rope, but they like to eat the wild one. So it really destroys the natural uh, wild harvest of kombu. And also, you know, people changing their diet, like our diet, even in Japan, uh, people um, make uh, dashi less and less every year, you know, because of the diet requirement has been changing. Um, People have, you know, different lifestyle. People consume less um, kombu versus using granulated powder. So that also contribute a great deal of, um, you know, decreasing our harvest amount of kombu. Mm, so um, it, it is kind of um, sad as a Japanese, but that's the truth. Right. So um, that's, that's the reason why I wanted to keep showing uh, using the whole food ingredients, you know, rather than um, using quick um like combo like ingredients you know right yeah and i yeah. think it's uh, also you know combo itself is very sustainable you don't have to have a massive mm-hmm. land or any fees and yeah that's true right yeah. so it's a, such mm-hmm. a sustainable ingredient by nature and people also mm-hmm. um different kinds of uh, seaweed can be utilized as a fuel source or there's so much uh we can do with so uh, hopefully we have to preserve those uh, precious uh, sea vegetables. Uh, but yeah. in order to do that, we have to maintain cooler temperature for them to survive in a balanced mm-hmm. uh, ecological system. So, well, anyway, so, um, yeah, so why are plants and dreams 
in 2023 and beyond? Um, just keep doing what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> so I, I have a couple of books, um, book deals on, on the horizons. I'm traveling more extensively, um, spreading my message through my uh, new book, Japanese Superfood. And, um, you know, really celebrating uh, how to use these natural products and then incorporate into your diet. That's, uh, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think yeah. what you're doing is very valuable and uh, hopefully people get more aware of what we discussed today. So where can we find your updates online and on social media and where can we buy your book? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so you can find me at kcweed.com. That's K-S-E-A-W-E-E-D.com. And I'm on um, Instagram at K um, underscore seaweed, S-E-A-W-E-E-D. And you, yeah. you know, your book <laughs> available on uh, any bookstores? Um, Amazon, uh, yeah, uh, local bookstores. Please support the local bookstores. Right. So the title again is Japanese Superfoods. Yes. Right. Well, that's congratulations. It's a great book, and I I, I love Thank the book. You. So I have to start Thank cooking you. more <laughs> with your recipes. <laughs> Yes, please. Yeah. All right. So, well, so good luck and thank you so much for joining us today, Yumi. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at Japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or kikokatema.com. Japanese is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Armin Spenjan, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Japanese is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.